0: Hello there! This is the Crunchy Christian Podcast, a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. I am a master herbalist, aromatherapist, author, speaker, blogger, and veteran homeschooling mama of four. You can learn more about how I can equip you to pursue God's best naturally at my website, julienaturally.com. And now, today's show. Hey there, it's Julie with the Crunchy Christian Podcast here to talk to you about green growing things that God gave us. Today, we are going to talk about sassafras. Now, sassafras is a tree. So why are we talking about trees in the middle of our weed series? Well, sassafras is a weedy Tree, Oh my goodness, Uh, you can find it all over the place. And once it takes root in your yard, it takes over. So that's why we're going to talk about sassafras. Uh, Let's get started with some history about sassafras. So sassafras, the Latin name is sassafras albidum. And it is a distinctly North American tree, and it is the only spice that is grown in the America. So it's very unique because all the other spices come from somewhere else in the world has been in use for quite some time. Uh, We first learned of it when Europeans began coming to the Americas. The Native Americans had been using it for centuries, and they shared some of their knowledge with colonists and explorers that came. So the Cherokee people would use sassafras tea to purify the blood and for a lot of other things. I mean, the list is so long, I could spend the whole podcast just rattling off a bunch of different uses that they had for it. But I'll just, I'll just mention a few things. So skin diseases, rheumatism, malarial type fevers, like scarlet fever, that kind of thing, and heart troubles, they also would make a poultice to clean out wounds and sores, and they would make the tea uh, from root bark to treat diarrhea or what they called overfatness. Okay, That's what they called it. Uh, and other tribes also used sassafras. They used it in many of the same ways and as a thickener in their stews. But then when the Europeans arrived and the Native Americans told them about this sweet wood, as they called it, the British quickly discovered how useful this tree could be. And in 1603, a newly formed British lumber company started sending ships back to England full of sassafras lumber. And interestingly enough, sassafras was one of the first, if not the first, forest product to be exported from North America. Interesting. After that, the demand for sassafras grew exponentially. And it grew so much that colonists were burdened with a governmental mandate that each person produce a hundred pounds of sassafras every year, or they would have to pay 10 pounds worth of tobacco. Isn't that crazy? I can't even believe that. It, It would be that important that the government would demand it like that. So... For a while, it seemed like sassafras was good for everything. And in fact, people used it for just about everything. Uh, They used it for ship holes because they thought that if they used sassafras in the ships that they wouldn't suffer from shipwreck. They uh, would use it in making their chicken coops because it was reputed to guard against chicken lice, which was a problem, uh, inf- insect infestation that was a problem at the time. And they would make human bedsteads out of sassafras wood because they thought that it would keep their bed free of bed bugs. They, they generally thought of it as kind of a lucky wood. <laughs> Uh, So they would use it for all sorts of things, furniture and and all kinds of stuff. So they also would use it uh, in teas and medicines and root beer. It is one of the primary ingredients in root beer. Interesting. So, you know, as things go, after a while, the sassafras craze faded away and... It's not used in many of those same ways um, today. Uh, It is, however, still used as a thickener in uh, Creole dishes down in Louisiana. And in the Appalachian Mountains, some of the communities there still drank Sassafras tea, just as many of their ancestors did, uh, who tended to be... little closer to the land, closer to the Native American tribes that were there. And if you're lucky and you can find one of these producers, artisanal root beers still contain sassafras. But because of uh, some government uh, bans, Uh, There's a ban on saffron, one of the key ingredients, uh, one of the key chemicals of sassafras. Uh, Because of that, they removed the saffron before using the sassafras to make the root beer. So you can still find that in some places. Uh, It was banned in 1976. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later. So, what does this tree look like? Like, if it grows all over the place and it's such a weedy plant, what does it even look like? How do you know if you have one of these trees in your yard? Uh, One of the funny things about this tree is that it has four different kinds of leaves. Like, you know, a lot of other trees, they have very distinctive leaves that are through the whole tree, right? So, but not sassafras. So if you could find four different kinds of leaves on your basically uh, lower growing large bush, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute too. But the the different kinds of leaves are that they are, one is shaped like a football. So it's that long uh, oblong shape that looks kind of like a football. Uh, and then they have the left mitten, the right mitten, and then the three-fingered glove is is how it's commonly known. So uh, it it has all these different leaves on one plant. It is rather sun-loving too, Um, so you'll find it in those places. In early spring, it has little clusters of yellow flowers that later, of course, in the year, in the middle of summer, give way to uh, blue black berries little berries now they're not really good for humans to eat but you might see a lot of birds and small animals eating those berries so they're not poisonous but they're not really that tasty for people Uh, i wouldn't eat them now in some parts of the country it is rather low growing and it only grows to about six feet high because there are two different types of the sassafras tree. So there's the white sassafras and that's the one that tends to grow more in cities and roadways and tends to become kind of a weed. And um, that is the one that only gets to about six feet high and tends to grow outward more than upward. Uh, There's also another type of sassafras and that grows more in mountainous regions and that one can get as tall as a hundred feet it can be a very big tree and those are the ones that are used for lumber of course that makes sense Uh, and it one of the interesting things about the difference between these two trees is that the the bigger one the color of the bark changes when it's damaged, so it becomes a little more red when it's damaged. But the white variety that you see more commonly in uh, more populated areas, that that doesn't change. That's not um, not affected that way. So all parts of this tree have traditionally been used, except for the berries. So the leaves, the bark, the inner bark, the roots, all of the tree have been used. The dried root bark would be mixed with milk and sugar to make an English drink called saloup. I don't know if they still drink that uh, today but being that sassafras has a slightly sweet taste uh, and it is considered a spice I, I bet that's a delicious drink. <laughs> um, and in fact, uh, I, I have a sassafras tree growing over my fence, so I may get an opportunity to try it myself and see how that tastes. So, um, and as I mentioned, it is still used in Creole dishes and it is still used in some artisanal root beers. Um, you can eat the young leaves in salads. Mix it up with some of the other ones that are wild growing in your yard, and it adds a nice little sweet touch to your meal. Now, there are three main active ingredients in sassafras. So, I mentioned saffron, there are two other ones methyl eugenol, uh, that's a mouthful, <laughs> and camphor. Now, you've probably heard of camphor before. Uh, That's the, that's the constituent, the chemical constituent that makes things feel like kind of hot. And uh, you often find that in um, the, uh, those packs that you put on muscles and stuff to make the pain go away and stuff like that. And, and that is one of the ways that you can use camphor, but Sassafras has all three of those things that I mentioned. So the highest concentration of these chemicals is in the bark. So the methyl eugenol is what provides the uh, the sweet fragrance of sassafras. And remember how I mentioned about those chicken coops and repelling lice and bed bugs and stuff like that? Well, the methyl eugenol does have that effect. It does have an insect repellent effect effect. And uh, the saffron and the camphor are what are the more medicinal parts of the plant. So the, the, uh, the principal uses and benefits because of these two constituents are as a blood purifier, as a pain reliever, antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory. That's what those constituents do. So uh, the uses that the Native Americans would uh, use sassafras for were right on because they they, they used them for those kinds of purposes uh, even b- before anybody knew what, about these active constituents. So that's pretty remarkable. Just, you know, through, um, through their, their tradition and their, their great knowledge of the plants and observing and, uh, over the years that they, they knew these things. Sassafras though, is not usually, uh, used by itself when we are using it herbally. Uh, it, and Even traditionally, it's often, it was often combined with other herbs so that all of the effects, the synergistic effects together would, uh, would have a better action on the body than just sassafras by itself. Although, as I mentioned in Appalachia and other parts of the world, um, that enjoy sassafras now, namely some parts of Europe and they do just drink sassafras tea as a tradition. Uh, but uh, sassafras was often combined with other herbs as a spring tonic so in the springtime when you uh, when you would do a spring fast you would take sassafras tea to help prepare the blood for summer so the blood thickens in the winter to help with warmth and and uh, and, all, and and that for winter, keeping, keeping you healthy in the winter. And then sassafras would help to thin out the blood and purify the blood for the summer months. So in addition to what the Native Americans would use it for, it also became known that sassafras could be used for venereal diseases, such as syphilis. And... Many used it effectively for skin diseases, just like the Native Americans, and as an antidote for certain kinds of poisons. And lastly, uh, for help with recovery after childbirth. So they had a variety of different things that that they used it for, and the leaves could be used for sore throats. At that time, uh, people liked to smash it up because it, the leaves have a demulsant activity so uh, that would be used for scratchy it and uh, sore throats. Now as I said the, about the saffron that that had to be removed before uh, artisanal root beer makers can use the sassafras in their drinks because uh, isolated Saffron was banned by the U.S. F- Food and Drug Administration in 1976. Uh, that's because they they did some studies uh, using um, using the essential oil of sassafras and concentrating the Saffron and Giving it to rats in higher amounts, and that's they found out that the saffron has carcinogenic properties, meaning it's got cancer causing properties for the liver. Um, but the amount uh, that it naturally occurs, not the concentrated essential oil, but the amounts that naturally occur in sassafras are only slightly more than what's in nutmeg. But nutmeg, of course, we know we use that regularly. So there's, there's some uh, controversy about the FDA decision, uh, but uh, it, the long-term use is not, is not uh, advised. Native Americans would not use sassafras for more than a week or so at a time. And, of course, we don't want to violate FDA regulations. Uh, and you should you know the essential oil should not be used and if if you are pregnant it's not to be used during pregnancy no tea or leaves or anything like that during pregnancy or nor should it be given to children so um, if you have a plant have a sassafras tree in your backyard and you, you want to do experiments that's up to you but um, do keep all of those things in mind and um, remember that this program is for educational purposes only so that's what I have for today and I just would remind you to head on over to Julie Naturally and check out uh, the new garden ebook collection that we have there And uh, please find me on Facebook at Julie Naturally and subscribe to connect with me there. Have a great day and God bless. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Show notes for today's broadcast can be found at crunchychristianpodcast.com. Hit the subscribe button now so you can join me next week. Until then, remember all you need is God, people, and growing things. God bless.